Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we got one all right. Matthew kept me up till 3 o'clock last night, and I had to go teach early this morning. So I'm like, yeah, but I'm excited for the revival meetings. God, could, let's let God do a work in us. And this is the problem that we normally have. Brother Joe Mark, he's been with us, I believe this is fourth or fifth time. And uh, some of you, how, how many of you have been here when he's here? How many of you have never, how many, we'll do, how many of you have never heard Brother Joe Mark before? Yeah, you're in for a treat. First thing is, I got to cover this pulpit up because he spits everywhere. I think he's probably 77, 76 years old around there. He's an old-time evangelist. He graduated from Tennessee Temple. He smacks the pulpit all the time. And uh, he, ha, 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 that's his laugh. And uh, I got that one imitated down. But um, it's, it's really crazy. I'll sit here, and some of the things he says about don't give God your garbage and giving him the leftovers, and I'm just like, and we'll have visitors, because people invite people, and I'm just thinking, oh, what are they thinking right now? You know, if you have revival means for a few days, people can listen and they'll get it. If every Sunday, that's what we had in the pulpit here, it wouldn't last very long. I understand that. But it's amazing how many visitors come. And we've had guests come just when he's here. And then the whole week, they come every day to hear him. They get saved. And then they never come back. But they loved him. So I don't know if they follow him wherever else he goes, wherever the case may be. But um, the point of revival meetings... He is, he's an evangelist. And we have today a lot of people who call themselves evangelists, but they're not true evangelists. An evangelist's job is to come in and to preach the gospel. That's an evangelist. And that's what he does. And so I want to encourage you, Sunday morning, be here at one of the two services, 9.30 or 11. Sunday night and Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, what we're doing to make things a little easier to help you out. Ryan, we'll talk about school. We'll probably give some homework off if they come to all the revival meetings. We'll make that work because having school and revival meetings and making that all work, we'll make that work. We'll be nice. And so, but we also are going to have dinner provided each night. It's $3 per person. So Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, dinner's at 5.30. There's four different items that we're having. It's listed here. And that dinner will be at 5.30. The evening services, even this Sunday night. So Sunday night through Wednesday, just this week. I know normally our Sunday night's at 6 p.m. This week it is at 6.30. So dinner is 5.30 each night, and then 6.30 is our service Sunday through Wednesday. So we'll pass this around, and if you want to sign up, if you didn't get to sign up, put your family name and how many on there, and that will be a good thing because we'll be getting the food ordered in the next couple of days. And also the men, we have the Soldiers of the Cross meeting in Pomona Friday night and Saturday. And if any of you men are going to go, I hope that you will. And you say, well, I didn't sign up or anything. You could still come. If you want to come Friday night, see me, let me know. And uh, on Friday night, two of my favorite preachers are preaching. And it's in Pomona, not very far away, Brother Kurt Skelly and Brother Doug Fisher. And so, yes, sir. $3 every night for them. Yep. So not three for all the nights combined. If the, if the ties were really good right now, we'd just do free the whole week. But since they're not, we've got to go $3 each one. So, um, yeah, $3 per person. And if any of you are short on money and you want to come for dinner, Russ said he would cover you. So, let's see, is that everything? And then this week, our clocks, we lose an hour of daylight. And so we, but this one we gain an extra hour of sleep, correct? Amen, that's something to praise the Lord about. 
Let me give you a little suggestion. Let me tell you how to do it so you do things right. In the late evening, let's say 6 or 7 o'clock, change your clock. Uh, wait, is this one? No, this is the one you don't change your clock. Leave your clock alone. So it's the other one you change. I told you I only got like three and a half hours of sleep last night, so I'm barely hanging on tonight. But um, this one, leave your clock alone when you go to bed. Then you turn it back an hour. Then you gain an extra hour of sleep. The other one, I set the clock ahead in the evening, and I don't lose that hour because I've already scheduled it in my time. So this one, and if you forget it, we have two services, you'll make it in time for one of them, so you'll be all right. Although some of you, as late as you are, you might not make it after all. So let's go to Revelation chapter 20 and get to the Bible now. That's good enough for things tonight. If you lived in Arizona, like my friend Matt back here, it doesn't matter. You don't have to change your clock. And so it's probably the only good thing in Arizona. Oh, well, get that and gas prices in Arizona. Revelation chapter 20, we've been going through a series here on biblical, a biblical view on prophecy. I want to dive into several things tonight that we'll look at starting Revelation chapter 20. When we look at verse number 1, the Bible says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed for a little season. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, Neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years." When the thousand years are expired, and this always, this, this, this boggles my mind. And just read it as we go through here. When the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of, and turn this page, new Bible, hard to turn the page, the earth, encompassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city and fire came down from god out of heaven and devoured them and the devil was that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and they shall be tormented day and night forever and ever father bless the next few minutes that we have here tonight i pray that you would bless your word as we look at it and i pray that you would just guide my thoughts and help us to See some things from your word tonight and bless the little bit of time that we have. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we've gone through up to this point, the next event that's going to take place is going to be the rapture. The rapture will happen, the earth will be set off, the tribulation period will begin a seven year time. And once the rapture happens, we'll be with the Lord and praise God for that day. During that time, the judgment seat of Christ, the marriage supper of the Lamb, will take place. Here on earth, the tribulation will take place. We've gone through a lot of the things that will happen during that seven-year period, a very dark, 
awful, the worst that we've ever seen in this world. And then we see the second coming of Jesus. And He comes as King of kings and Lord of lords. He no longer comes as a, as a lamb ready to, be, ready to be slain. He comes as the Lion of the tribe of Judah to come to conquer. And what a day that's going to be. And then we see here in chapter number 20, we see a thousand years of time take place. Now, you could pick up so many different commentaries and so many different books and read so many things about this millennial reign of Jesus Christ. And so many people have so many thoughts and so many weird thoughts at that, if we want to get into it. It's a thousand-year period we see right here in Scripture. It's a time when Jesus Christ himself will rule upon earth. A time of peace, a time of prosperity, a time of righteousness, such as the world has never witnessed. In fact, it'll be as close as ever was probably before man ever sinned during this time. There are many who call themselves Christians who do not believe in a literal thousand-year reign of Christ. They believe it's just a symbolic language used here. But if you read it very closely, it's not symbolic. It literally says what it says. And what we must do with the Bible is when it says something, we just need to take the Bible at face value and not try and prove something else when the Bible says one thing before our eyes. The Bible refers to the millennial reign of Christ in a literal sense here. There's no reason to believe it any other way. So when we look at these things, during this time, there will be, after the second coming of Christ, there will be a thousand-year period where Jesus Christ will be ruler and he'll reign as king of kings and lord of lords here on earth. And so when we look at this and we tie all these things together, the Antichrist and his armies will be destroyed. The battle of Armageddon takes place. You have the false prophet and you have the beast. They are cast to the lake of fire. They, don't, they skip going to the bottomless pit. They're sent right to judgment. Now, it's something you've got to understand. Hell is the place, if someone dies without Christ, they're... They are in hell, the Bible says. In chapter number 21, we'll get there in the next few weeks. What happens is hell and death are put before God at the great white throne judgment. And then they are cast into the lake of fire forever. Hell is the temporary spot, an unsaved person, and that's that Satan will be in the bottomless pit a thousand years. The beast and the prophet, the false prophet, were already cast into the lake of fire as we see, we get into these verses. With that in mind, I want to show you some things. Now, something I want you to understand as we look here tonight, there is no way in the next 30, 35 minutes I could go through every detail about the millennial reign of Christ. Because there are a lot of Old Testament verses, a lot of Old Testament verses that show us a lot of things that will take place during that time. So I'm going to give you a brief overview of some things that will be happening during that day. And I want you to see that. Number one, I want you to see tonight the Savior during the millennium. The Savior during the millennium. What will Jesus be doing during the millennial reign? We could look at verse number four and verse number six. And it says that they'll live and reign with Christ a thousand years. And then to verse number six, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. We see what will the Savior be doing during this time? He'll be reigning during this time. At long last, 
the Lord Jesus Christ will sit on the throne of David. We think about those Old Testament prophecies, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. There in Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6, And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Verse 7 tells us, Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. And upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom and to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. You see, Jesus Christ, during that thousand years here on earth, he's going to rule, he's going to be king of kings and lord of lords. Can you imagine what it will be like to have a perfect leader? Whew! Not a Democrat or Republican. Not someone who's in it for their best interest, but the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is our ruler. What a day that's going to be. He'll rule the world in power, in righteousness, and in glory. His reign will usher in. You talk about peace, it will be a true time of peace in this world during that thousand years when Christ reigns. And prosperity like the world's never experienced before. His reign will finally bring about justice and holiness into this world. What a different place this world's going to be during that time. Think about the world's never had a ruler like it will when Jesus rules. Think about that one for a minute. All human rulers are controlled by lust for power, for wealth, and for self-glory. Jesus, on the other hand, will reign in perfect righteousness. And the millennium will be a time of almost perfect existence. Not only will he be ruling or reigning during this time, but he'll be reigning. He'll be reigning. The Bible tells us, if you go back there in your chapter 19 in Revelation, you look at verse number 15. It says, Now of his mouth goes a sharp sword, and with it he shall smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. The Bible tells us that he'll rule the world with a rod of iron. Like a shepherd, Jesus will guide the entire population of the world. It'll be a completely different day. Those today who mock the name of Jesus and ridicule and think that this guy that died on the cross, they don't realize who he is. But in that day, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There'll be a reigning, there'll be a ruling, there'll be a receiving. In the day in which we live, all people do is mock Jesus. From cartoons, what was that, South Park? Is that a cartoon? South Park mocks Jesus. Lots of things mock Jesus. That Jesus Christ superstar, it's a mockery. Blasphemous. People use his name in so many vile, dirty, filthy ways. But in the millennial kingdom, he will get the glory that he deserves. And what a day that's going to be. The Bible talks about in Isaiah 40, verse number 5, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. And that's when man will finally see the full glory of the Lord in that day. It will be a time to glorify God. We see, number one, the Savior during the millennium. Number two, we see Satan during the millennium. I love this. He's nowhere to be found. Can you imagine what this world would be like with no devil anywhere? Man, 
Just think about that. We have such, look, we look at our world today. We look at how wicked things are. When we look at things, we see letter A, or I don't know if I gave you letter A or not in your notes there, but when we talk about Satan during the millennium, he'll be jailed. For a thousand years, the enemy of God will not be able to hinder the work of God. He won't be able to tempt God's people, nor will he be able to work in the lives of the lost. And yes, there are lost people during the millennium. Say, well, how could there be lost people? There are people who are turned away when he gets loosed. And they turn, say, so what, they were playing the part? Yeah, just like people do sing in a church. People are good at playing parts. Judas tried to play a part too. We've always seen it all the way along. But we see Satan, we think about this, he'll be chained and bound for the duration of the millennium. The so-called, as the Bible calls him, the small g, the God of this world, does everything he does to hinder God's work today. God's business, God's people, and claims souls for hell. We see this old, as the Bible calls him, the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan. And he's bound for a thousand years. He'll be bound. He'll also be, as we see at the end of the millennial reign, he'll be judged. We see in verse number 7, when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle. And the number of them is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And that devil that deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. There's a doctrine out there, the doctrine of annihilation, that once you are cast in the lake of fire, you basically annihilate and that's it. If that were the case and if that were true, the false prophet and the beast are still there in the lake of fire a thousand years later. So that does not, that's not a true doctrine. And uh, there are a lot of doctrines that people say in different things. But we see that when we talk about Satan here, he'll be, he was jailed then after he gets released, and after that short time, he'll be judged. Satan, we think about this, he'll return to earth, and there will be people that follow him. I don't get it. That's one of those things that I have a hard time grasping in my mind. You have the perfect leader. You have the greatest, the great, the king of kings and lord of lords. There's not a selfish bone in his body. All he does, he's God. How could you be this? How could you want anything else but him? It's crazy to me to think about, but the Bible, if the Bible says it, the Bible's right. Not my thinking, the Bible's right. And he'll return to earth. And the Bible talks about this will be an incredible army that he has. You see there back in verse number eight, is verse number eight, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And you've got to remember, this is not a Baptist preacher that wrote these verses. This is under inspiration here. So if the Bible says it, there's no embellishment. That means that what it says, it means. It means that many people. And we see that he and this army will attack, and it talks about the camp of God and the city of, it's talking about Jerusalem is where they're going to attack. They're going to come to attack Jerusalem. That's all that that's talking about there. And then we see that God steps in and pronounces judgment and fire comes from heaven. And there's nothing they can do about it. 
The Satan's judgment is sealed. It's set. It's going to happen. He's headed to hell. And when he's cast into hell, when he's cast into the lake of fire, the universe will forever be free of his influences and his wickedness. Can't wait for that to happen to Satan. It's what he deserves. Deserves work. He, he deserves it. When they think about it, always, you look at man and you look at man all the way along, and there's um, people get into the dispensations of time. Some people like to talk about those, some don't. Some people feel there's no such thing. And some people, they, there's so many controversies that people have with different things. I believe in some of it, not all of it. I'm somewhere in the middle there. And, uh, but what I want you to understand something is, you see all the way along, all the way as man goes, you talk about, talk about the age of innocence, Genesis chapter number three. It ended with disobedience by man. The age of conscience, which talks about up to Genesis five and six, it ended with universal corruption. And you saw the flood and the things that happened there. The age of human government, you see in Genesis 11, it ended with the devil worship at the Tower of Babel. The age of promise, that was Genesis 12 through the book of Exodus, ended with God's people in bondage in Egypt. The age of the law ended with humanity killing their Savior on the cross. The age of the church, it's still going right now. It'll end with worldwide apostasy, the Bible talks about. The age of tribulation will end with the battle of Armageddon. And the age of the millennium will end with an attempt to overthrow God himself. And it won't happen. The point is, and what we see is man's heart is terribly wicked and prone to evil. There is no good in it at all. The only hope that mankind has is Jesus Christ. There is no other hope. He is our only hope. And anything less will result in damnation and hell. And I'd make sure that you're following Jesus. We see the Savior during the millennium. We see the Satan during the millennium. We see number three, the saints during the millennium. What will the redeemed people of God be doing during the time of the millennium? Well, we see a couple of verses that talk about verse number four, and I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for a witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Verse six says, Blessed and holy is he, that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. We see that saints will be reigning with the Lord. All the saints of God, that is. And some people will take, and uh, like I said, sometimes I'll give you some things. People say that those who will be reigning with the Lord they break people up into different spots. And this is where a dispensationalist kind of gets going even further. Just, and one of the things that someone will say is, well, those who died before the cross really aren't resurrected till now. There's no, where do you see that in the Bible? That's a strong opinion that people have. One thing that we do see that's clear, I want you to see something. I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 20-something, 27, Matthew 27. Matthew 27, 
And this is when Jesus, when he rose, when he died, when he rose, when he was, after he died, I want you to see um, verse number 50, Matthew 27, verse number 50. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, and behold, the veil in the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And thank God that separation between God and man was broken by Jesus Christ. And the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. And look at this. And the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. And there came out of the graves after his resurrection. And you see these things here. Uh, what I believe happened is when Jesus rose, when he died, all those that had trusted in Christ all that time, in Abraham's bosom, the Bible talks about, they were released. They're with the Lord. If you want to say that they are not released till the millennial reign, you can, but how do you explain this resurrection that takes place in Matthew chapter 26 or 27? And if you say, well, I believe it differently, that's totally fine. That's, you can do that, but if you were preaching up here, you could say it, but you're not, so we'll just leave it at that, and we'll be okay with that. Saints will be reigning. We'll share in his glory and in his reign. And what a thought that we get to share in that. We don't deserve any of that. We don't deserve to reign with him. But once again, as we study on Sunday mornings, the book of Ephesians, we deserve nothing. But God is so gracious to us and gives us so much praise God and thank God for his grace. And all, don't ever get thinking highly of yourself because the Lord is, everything we have is because of him. Everything. By the grace of God, I am what I am. It's nothing else. And don't ever forget that. Don't lose of that. And just to, think, just to think here, and as I think about the fact that we get to rule and reign with him. So unworthy. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for his grace. We'll be here with him. Rule and reign. There'll be some, and what's interesting is, at the end of the tribulation and things, you have that battle take place. You have the battle of Armageddon take place. And basically, and when you try and wrap your mind around, there are some things, like I've said before, you're never going to fully understand everything that the Bible says about every subject, okay? And I know that there might be some in here that say, well, I totally get a good grip on everything about the millennial reign of Christ. Well, you're, you're great, you're wonderful, and I'm glad that you do. But when you look at all the scripture and everything else, during that, there has to be people that are still alive during the millennial reign, and they have kids. And there's proof of that I gave you at the end of your outline there. I gave you a page and a half of notes of what the world's going to be like during the millennial reign. And there's verse after verse after verse. There's a ton of things that you can go look at in your own time. I put them on your notes so you would have them all to look at. We don't have time to get into all that detail. But probably what takes place is there will, and because some people will say that during the end of the tribulation, no one gets saved, but people must be because I'm sure that those who get saved are the ones who are still alive during that time. They have kids the earth, it's still, people are still having children, things happen. We're going to be in our glorified bodies. You're going to have immortals living with mortals. Think about that one for a second. And I know that sounds like a weird TV show to some of you, but it's, this is what the Bible says, okay? Just remember that, okay? And, uh, but in the midst of all of it, there will be some that do not know Christ. And they will play a part. They will bow to him 
they will conform to him. But when Satan gets loose after a thousand years, they will be deceived by him. And if you are a saved child of God, you will not be deceived about who Jesus Christ is. That's very clear. We understand that to be true. And so we see these things. Another way you could look at it as well as Matthew 25, the parable there in verse 31 to 46. See the judgment of nations and things could tie more into that. See the Savior during the millennium. We see the saint during the millennium. We see um, Satan during the millennium. We see number four, the sinners during the millennium. And yes, there will be sinners. That's crazy to me. There will be a lot of people born in that thousand year period of time. And in that day, they're going to worship Jesus. And they're going to know him as the king. But they won't know him as savior. Now, can people be saved during that time? I totally believe so. One of the things that the Bible is very clear about, that Jesus has the power to forgive sin, the Bible talks about on earth. That's very clear. That's why we have people, and I hear people often, can I pray for my loved ones that have passed away that maybe they could get saved or something? No. Because once they've died, that's it. It's over with then. Jesus Christ can forgive their sins while they're here on earth. Once they've passed, that time is gone. And then you're getting into the thing of Catholicism. You cannot pray someone into heaven. There's not one Bible verse in the entire Bible that says that you can do that. Nowhere. The time of Christ is now. Now's the day of salvation. And we see that there'll be sinners during this time. They'll be deceived by Satan once again. And they'll be doomed just like Satan is. And then, number five, we see society during the millennium. And lastly, tonight. Now, you look at, it's going to be so, such a different time during the millennial reign than what it is today. Just look at in your notes there some of the things I gave you. It's going to be a time of peace, real peace. A lamb and a wolf will lie together. And the wolf won't be eating the lamb. It'll be a time of joy. It'll be a time of holiness. It'll be a time of glory. His full glory will be on display. What a time that will be. It'll be a time of, think about this, it'll be a time of comfort. Jesus will fully minister to every need. There'll be no hindering of Satan during that time. How about justice? Perfect justice. Full knowledge. Instruction. The removal of the curse that's been placed here on earth. The reason why animals are so ferocious and deadly the reason why you have all the things go on. You look today, and people, you look at our earth and global warming and all of that good stuff that people talk about. You say, Pastor, do you believe in global warming? It was pretty cold here today. I had to wear a jacket. 
Asked me last Wednesday if I believe in global warming. It was almost 100 degrees. Yeah, it was warm last Wednesday, but it was cold this morning when I got up. But this world, it's getting worse. It's just getting worse. Morally and physically, the world is. It'll be a time sickness will be removed. Jesus will be the healer. Life expectancy will be way different during the millennial reign than what it is today. Basically, picture... Picture what earth was like before Adam and Eve sinned. It's a great way to look at what the millennial reign will be like. There will be no oppression, no immaturity. There will be reproduction by living people. There will be labor. Probably no laziness. No, uh, no homeless camps and tents and things like that. Jesus will know how to handle all those things. There'll be economic prosperity. And you just read, go through and read some of these verses and just read about what it talks about. An increase in light. The moon will be brighter then than what it is now. Um, language will all be unified. Everyone's going to speak English in that day, right? Amen. No. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. What language are we going to speak? Who cares? Got, you know. How about this one? A unified worship. Can you imagine? I can't wait. I love as a church when we get together, and even just tonight, when we sing, when we sing together. This building, it carries a good... I love hearing the people of God worship God. I can't wait for that day in heaven when every name, every one of us, a big old group will be singing praise to the King of Kings. I can't wait for us to praise Him during that thousand year reign. Can you imagine? I can't wait. He deserves it. God will be here on earth manifested before us. The fullness of the Spirit. So many different things. And I hope that you'll go through. I did not put all those verses and all that stuff in your outline so you could throw it in the trash and not look at it. There's a lot there on the millennial reign, and I am a firm believer that when the Bible says that the Lord is going to reign for a thousand years, that the Bible's true in what it says. He's going to rule and He's going to reign. And what a day that's going to be. As we get ready to close this evening... Do you know, you don't have to wait for the millennium to praise God. You don't have to wait for the millennium to follow Him. You can follow Him tonight. And uh, most of you here, actually, I know probably all of you here, you all claim to be saved. I hope we're all saved. But like I said, in that day, there'll be some that claim it, and they won't be, and they'll be deceived by Satan. And if Jesus had 12 followers and one of them had a devil in him, how many do we have in our churches today, if we're being honest? Know for sure that you're saved. Not because anybody said you are, but because you've trusted Jesus Christ. He's the only way. If you're trusting in your good works, trusting in anything else, you're not headed towards heaven. For by grace are you saved through faith, and it's not of ourselves, it's the gift of God. And uh, God is so good to us, and what a day that's going to be, I can't wait for it. Some people, when they study the book of Revelation, they get scared. I don't know why people get scared studying the book of Revelation. I can't wait. 
I can't wait to see Jesus face to face someday. Can't wait for that rapture to take place and to forever be with the Lord. What a day that's going to be. It's a day to look forward to with high expectation. As I study it, there's a couple things that happens to me the more I study prophecy. The first thing it does, it makes me want to share the gospel with somebody. Because there are going to be a lot of people. The great white throne judgment, it's no joke. And the death, hell, death and hell are cast into a lake of fire. And they will be judged. Let me ask you tonight, church, when's the last time you witnessed to somebody? Every day, every opportunity we get, we should be doing our best to witness. Ask the Holy Spirit in the morning, Holy Spirit, guide me to someone. Help me, get the, help me be a witness for you. Take gospel tracts with you. Actively be witnessing and sharing your faith. That's what needs to happen today. Some people that get so tied up, they're going to go back and they'll, they'll study all these different things about prophecy and they'll uh, get the nuts and bolts, get the things you need, and then go out and tell people about Jesus. Prophecy should get you on fire to get people to Jesus. That's what it should do. And, th- and it should do one other thing. It should cause you to praise Him. Because we talk about it every Sunday in the book of Ephesians. It's very clear. Everything we have It's in Christ Jesus, through Christ Jesus, everything. And praise God for what he's done. Let's be a witness, and let's praise him, and let's do our very best for him until he comes. Father.